And we will even look today um, in the Scriptures and see how the early church understood the power and the significance of calling upon the name of, of Jesus, to call upon God, to, to seek Him in their, in their troubles, in their hardships, in the, in the worst of times, and to go to Him in those seasons to know that He can do, that He can work, that by calling upon His name, we are calling upon one that can do something extraordinary, calling upon one that can do something that we cannot do. And I am, I am thankful for that. Amen. And we'll go ahead and we'll be in Acts chapter 12 this morning, verses 1 through 11. I've been so thankful as we have went through the book of Acts and combed through it and, and just looked at different different stories, different parts of, of the development of the early church. And as we're getting close to like kind of the halfway point here of the of the book, we, we just see that, that, that this thing that started out with great strength and great power and the Holy Spirit working and moving in a mighty way has, has faced some troubles, right? It's faced some hardship. It's went through some persecution. It's had some stumbling blocks. It's had some hills and valleys and deserts. And it's had to go through storms have arisen, but yet we still see that Jesus is being worshipped, Jesus is being proselytized, Jesus is being taught amongst all the peoples, the Gentiles and the Jews alike, and the people are being saved, the church is growing, and God is doing what He is He came to do and what He desires to do through His people, and He is being glorified for that. Amen. But today I want us to talk about the roles that we see. The roles, not just necessarily in church, not just, but the roles with us and with God. Amen. The roles that we each feel in this relationship that we have, in this journey that we walk on as we walk with Christ, the roles that we should feel. So Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 11 will be the scripture that we read today. We'll have it here on the screen. You can follow along in, in your Bibles. But it reads like this. It says, Now about that time... Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And, and because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in a prison and delivered him for, uh, to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter by the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Acts 12, verses 1 through 11. I mean, I, I want to start with um, with this idea, right? Uh, this may be a little silly, maybe something that we all relate to, right? But, but there's a thing when driving that I really struggle with sometimes. And you go to a four-way stop, and when, it, when you've got multiple people that get there at the same time, the question arises, what do you do? Who moves first? Who's supposed to do do what? Right? And I don't know the exact rules of what you're supposed to do, but that's something that we might have the question. I know that I do. But there's a lot of times, a lot of seasons in life that we come to something and we really question, what is it that I'm supposed to do? 
Right? Maybe you get married and you're sussing out and figuring out who does this and who does that. Somebody may wash the dishes, somebody may do the laundry, but what am I supposed to do? You may even come into a church or a different place, a new job, and you're figuring out what is it that you're supposed to do and what is somebody else supposed to do. But even in our relationship with Christ, we come to a place where we have to figure out what is expected and required of us, then what can we expect from Jesus Christ. Amen? What we can look to Him by all expectations to see Him move and to do and to work in that specific way. Who does what? Who's supposed to do which thing and the other? And there's a lot of times that oh, my fear is, and I know in my own life, that I have tried to take the role upon myself to do what God is supposed to do and ignore what it is that I am supposed to do. Amen? But here in this Scripture, we clearly see evidence of what the church and individuals that follow and believe in Jesus are supposed to do, and we also see what it is that Christ Himself, what God Almighty, will do and is supposed to do within our relationship. Amen? So what do we do? Who does what? We want to start by talking about man's humble prayer. Man's humble prayer. One of the first verses we read, read like this. It says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Amen. This is Elena saying this morning, but the name of Jesus. Amen. They called upon the name of Jesus. I want us to understand the context here for a minute. What else does Scripture say? Scripture said that Herod intended to wait upon the Passover to take Peter out. When was Jesus crucified? He was crucified at Passover. Understand the significance of it. This was the anniversary of Jesus' burial. This was the anniversary of him being crucified. And here, Herod gets the idea, maybe it's some sick, twisted thing. Maybe he just thinks it's, it just feels right, whatever it may be. But he gets the idea, I'm going to do it at the same time we did it with Jesus. And we're going to help the Jews get what they want. And we're going to try to snuff this thing out and show them that no matter what they do, Rome, the people of Rome, the people in authority and power, they're going to get their way. They just need to stop trying, stop pushing, stop pushing against the Jewish people, the Roman people. They just need to heal and come into line and do what they're supposed to do. So he says, here on the anniversary, we are going to cruise, we're going to kill, we're going to do whatever it is. We are going to kill Peter. Bring him before the people and kill him. And imagine... Imagine for a minute. Here it is, the year anniversary, or maybe the second year anniversary. We don't know the exact timeline, but it's not too many years or too much time hence from when Jesus was crucified. About the same time of year, about the same, they're in the same festival, and they say, you know, here Peter's coming up. We know what's going to happen. It wasn't like it was a secret. They knew what was going to happen, that Herod had intention to go and to kill Peter along the same line and the same timeline of what happened with Jesus. And they're like, we can't go through this again. We know Jesus resurrected, but we know Jesus was the Messiah. We know Jesus was God incarnate, that He was the Savior of the world, that He was every bit God as He was man. But we also know Peter's just a man, that he's a leader of the church. We just lost James, the brother of John. We just lost one of our leaders, one of the people that's helping us, that's showing us, that's guiding us. We can't do this again. And they go, and what do they do? They call upon the name of Jesus. Man's humble prayer. What, are, what do we do and what does God do? If you're, making a, if you're making a chart or if you're dividing whatever it is, it is our role to call upon the name of Jesus when need arises and recognize that He can do great things for us. Amen. There's many times in our life, we've talked about this, we've said it before, 
How many times we've, we've went through something and we've, we've tried to wrap our mind around what we can do. We've tried to figure out a, a plan of action. We've tried to, to put something into course and, and make it work and figure it out. And we just end up just, what, just, you know, spinning our tires and going over the same thing again and again and again and, and making no progress. And, and we talk about all that we've done and all that we've tried to figure out to make some kind of progress in our life. And yet, yet none of it occurs. And then we maybe sit back and we think, man, I didn't talk to Jesus about this. I didn't pray about this. I didn't, I didn't call upon His name in this situation, in this circumstance. But it is our role to communicate with Jesus about what we're going through, about what we are facing, to seek wisdom, to seek God, to seek inter- intervention from Him. That we pray, that we call out to Him, that we seek Him in all that we are going through, in all that we are doing. The sad reality is, I mean, let's... Our general and normal approach to prayer, if you, if you looked, at, looked at it from the outside, you would, you would think it was an in, insignificant, inconsequential part of our faith. Yet it is supposed to be the largest, a significant part of our faith walk with Christ should be focused and centered around our prayer life. But that is the opposite of what we see many times. That's the opposite of what I've experienced in my own life at times, is that prayer is not something, not a role that I take seriously at times, not a role that I see the importance of at times, not a role that I understand what it can do at times. But here we see the early church recognizes what's about to happen. They see things aligning. No doubt word begins to, to come out from the, from the throne room of, of Herod. My son assistant or some servant and says, Herod's going to do this. He's got Peter. There's four squads of, of soldiers around him. He's chained up here in the, in the prisons. He plans on doing the same thing to him that he did to James not too long ago. And he's going to do it around the same time that Jesus was crucified. And they very well could have been shaken by this. Maybe they were to some extent. They they very well could have could have thought about just going back to their old ways. They very well could have been hurt and saddened and grieved and just lost to despair by this. But instead, what did they do? They call upon the name of, of Jesus during this season. They call upon him, they seek him, they they go and they pray. It says that they were in constant prayer to God for Peter, for this situation, because they recognized that their role wasn't to charge the gate, their role wasn't to help him break out, but their role was to call upon the name of Jesus to work and to move in this situation. And they knew that one of God's roles was that there was God's sovereign intervention. I hope that you understand as a Christian, as a believer, at as just an individual that's lived in this life and lived in this world for so long, that uh, there are certain things that only God can do. Certain ways that only God can work. Certain things that only He can can change. And they recognized that, right? They knew the Roman Empire was strong. They knew that they weren't. They knew that the Romans could do great and mighty things that they couldn't do. They knew that they had power, they had money, they had authority, they had people in positions that they did not have. And yet they understood that God could do all things. Anything that they brought before Him, God could work and can move and could change. So what they do is they sought God's sovereign intervention in this. And that's what we see, right? We read through that Scripture, we see everything, but there's something that happens very specifically, two things really, but something that I want us to focus on that only God could do. It says, Now behold, an angel of the Lord 
stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. He struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. An angel of the Lord stood by him. That doesn't happen, right? That doesn't happen by happenstance. That just doesn't, he just doesn't show up because he was at the wrong place and just happened to be there. The angel just doesn't appear because he had an off day and he just wanted to see what was going on. The angel of the Lord appeared because of God's divine and sovereign intervention. Because God sent the angel to do something that the other Christians, the other followers, and Peter himself could not do. To do what man could not do. Like I said, there are times in my life that I've tried to take on the role of doing what God is supposed to do instead of doing what I am supposed to do. I can't call an angel to go on somebody's doorstep and to heal or to move or to do something like that. I can't do that. I can't tell an angel they need to go and protect this person or go and to fight this battle for this person or to go and mend this relationship. I can't do that. I can go and bring my humble prayer to the Lord, but it takes God's sovereign intervention to send and to work and to move His Spirit into the right places at the right times to do things in the way that only He knows that they should and can be done. And that is God's role. That is why, and there's a significant importance to us praying, is because there are things that only God can do. And He desires for us to ask that of Him, to say, I need you to intervene, to move, to work in this situation, to change what we are currently seeing or facing or going through. I need your sovereign and divine intervention here in this place, in this season, in this time. Right? An angel of the Lord. An angel of the Lord stood by him in a light shown in the prison. He goes on and continues. It says, a few verses later, it says they got to the iron gates. They got past the first guard. They got past the second guard. They got to the iron gates. And it said the iron gates just opened of its own accord, of its own power, that they didn't even push against it. Nothing changed it. That is things that only God can do. We talked a little bit about Sunday school, about how we need to become more aware of things that only God can do and worship Him for that. In the smallest of things, most inconsequential of things that we just gloss over, that we just expect now, that we just become accustomed to, we need to be aware of when things happen that God is working and moving in. To be cognizant of it. And then to give Him praise and worship for it, to recognize the sovereign intervention of God for what it is. Not just happenstance. We, we count it for coincidence many times. We think little of it often. And say, well, that wasn't God. That's just how things work. Or this, that, or the other just occurred. Or, or this just came about. No! We need to recognize the moving of God for what it is as a miracle within itself. As an awesome sign of God's power and authority over our situation of His sovereign intervention alive and well even still today. It wasn't like Peter looked up and saw this angel and was like, oh, well, that's cool. He knew immediately this came from God. That it wasn't just His lucky day. That it wasn't just because He was a good guy. It was purely because God sent the angel to do something that Peter and everybody else could not do because he knew, God knew this was his role in their relationship to do what man could not do. Peter saw the angel and immediately recognized this is God's handiwork. 
This is his intervention. This is his divine ability showing himself to me today to do something that, that I cannot do. Right? That I do not do. We need to do a better job of recognizing these wonderful things that God does for what they are. Him stepping up and stepping into a situation that we are of little significance of to do anything about. But it becomes because of often our humble our humble prayers. But even with all that, that does not mean that there is nothing that we do in the situation. There's also man's faithful obedience. All right, let's read this scripture. The verse after that, Titus says, Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him. And did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but but thought he was he was seeing a vision. This is one of my my all-time favorite stories in the book of Acts, maybe in, in the whole Bible. This course of action here of what goes on with Peter, because it almost seems like it, it, it comes straight from a movie, how things kind of play out. It's right. The guy's laying there, he's He's in chains, he's in bondage, he's surrounded by guards, and, and there's no way that he can get out. He's in this in this greatly defensed place, and that's, that's filled with, with people of, of power and position and, and of might. And then it's only by this miraculous set of events that he is able to escape this and, and great things. But there is something that is required of him. Notice that. There is something that is expected of him. He is asked to do something that he can do. Peter couldn't get the chains off himself, so the angel did that. Peter couldn't open the gate, so the angel did that. Peter couldn't have got away from the guards without some kind of divine intervention, so the angel did that. But there were things that Peter could do. He says, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. He says, I'm not going to dress you. Get up, get dressed. Put your clothes on, put your sandals on. He says, we're going. He says, put your garment on and... Follow me. So we went out and followed him. Peter, if he was us, and many modern day Christians, he would have said, no, carry me. He would have said, I'm just staying here until you remove me from the situation. The angel wasn't there to remove him. He was there to lead him to a better place. The angel wasn't there to dress him. The angel wasn't there to get him inspired to do it. The angel wasn't there to get him into a good place and a good mindset. He just said, get your clothes on, tie your shoes, and follow me. Peter could have said no. He could have. He could have said, don't you know how many guards are out there? He said, I counted them all as they dragged me in here. They each one have taken a swing at me. They each one have beat me. They each one have laughed at me. Don't you know what's outside those gates? Don't you know once we get outside, they'll just drag me right back in here? I'm just going to stay here. He could have said those things. Like many of us do. When something is asked of us by the Lord. He could have just said No. He could have just said no. And if he was one of the modern Christians in this church world, this church society now, he probably would have said no. But it says, the angel told him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him. Man's job is to Pray. God just to provide 
sovereign intervention for what we can't do. But man is required to do what is asked of him by God. I'm not saying that God helps those who help himself. That is not biblical in any sense of the matter. There's times where I can't help myself. But it is an understanding that God requires us to position ourselves at times by giving us instructions to be where He wants us to to fulfill the plan that He has set into action. I didn't get to play Mousetrap because we couldn't afford the game growing up. My dad was very, he got very excited with things and if it didn't work out the first time, it just usually got chucked, right? Lost a lot of fishing poles in little ponds because they got tangled up. He was not a patient man and he would tell you that himself. But we look at this, man, and, and the idea of the mousetrap is that things fall in the certain matter, but they have to be in the right place to engage the next thing, right? Peter had to get up for them to go out those past those two guards. Peter had to be on his way leaving to get out of the gate. If Peter was naked while he was doing that, he wouldn't have got far outside those gates without being noticed, right? If he walked out without his garments on, without his sandals, his feet would have been scarred, his feet would have been damaged, it would have been hard for him to walk. Somebody would have noticed a naked man walking through Jerusalem, right? They would have said, hey, what's going on over there? But this is just a dude walking through the street because he did what he was told to do. He got up, put his clothes on. Peter could have went the other way. He could have said, why are we taking time to do all this? Let's just go. But he said, no, be obedient to what I've told you to do because you have to be in the right position at the right time to receive the blessing that God has prepared for you. To receive the answer, to receive the divine intervention that God is sending. But Peter, you've got to get up, get your clothes on, tie your shoes, and follow me. We don't know the way that he let them out. The angel might have went the, the long way around it. Peter could have said, it's shorter this way. But the angel says, follow, follow me. There comes a time. And we need to have this mindset in our churches today as individuals who are following Christ that we stop giving God advice and stop telling God no and just say yes lead me yes lead me what you'd have me do I will do it what you want me to do I will do it I believe it was Mary who said Gabriel came and said woman highly favored you're going to carry the son of God basically and I think she said something along, let it be so. We need to have that mindset. When the angel of the Lord, when God moves through a sermon, through a testimony, through, through a song, through scripture in our private times, through whatever it may be, that we get to the point where we say, let it be so. Just give me strength to obey. Give me the guidance to do what it is that you have called me to do. Help me to follow you. We must be faithfully obedient that is our role to do. That is our role to do. And this isn't the first time that this concept is, is kind of brought up in Scripture. There's the story of Zacchaeus. Also, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And Jesus came into town. He climbed up in a tree to, to see him. You probably have heard the song. It was a big hit when I was a child. You didn't get that. Um, but he goes, he comes to this tree, and the Lord goes to him and he says, Zacchaeus, come down, for I'm going to your house today. Right? It required Zacchaeus to reposition himself to be where God needed him to be. Right? There's another time where a blind man came to Jesus seeking to be healed. And he goes and tells him, and he says, go, go dip yourself 
to obey in the pool of Siloam. And strange thing to ask, right? It required the man to get direction from other people. It required him to go maybe a way that he wasn't expecting to go, but he went and he, he did what was asked of him and, and he received what he had, he had sought. And there's also the story of Naaman in the Old Testament. When he goes, to, he sends word to Elijah. He says, you know, I've, I've got leprosy. I've got all this sickness, this disease. And he says, I want to be healed. And he tells him, go bathe in the Jordan River. And we, we get this picture of the Jordan River, this mighty, beautiful, majestic, clear, sparkling river. This was a nasty place where people dumped their, their all kinds of nastiness. It's where they went and they bathed. It's where, and we know that's not a clean process. It's where they did all kinds of filthy, nasty things. Animals would go and drink out of it, and they would do all kinds of filth. It was a nasty thing. Naaman was a man of power and position. He says, I don't want to do that. But he goes and does it. He says, bathe seven times. And he goes and he does it again, 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 again. Goes to the seventh time. He, he fulfills what is asked of him to position himself in the place he needed to be to receive the blessing, the healing that he had asked of God to receive that God-sovereign intervention. And we need to understand that we must do what is asked of us. Not because we're just seeking a blessing, not just because we're seeking some kind of move of God, but because we are of the mindset that we should be obedient to God. Many of us we're praying for rain before we've planted seeds. We're praying for rain before we've done what we know God wants us to do in the first place. We're praying for God to change something. And He said, if you'll do what you're supposed to do, it would have already changed by now. Man's role is to be faithfully obedient to the call and the command of God, no matter what it is that He has is, he is set by, before us. And we see that with Peter. He says, gird yourself, tie your sins, put on your garment, and follow me. And so he did. And so he did. We need to be faithfully obedient to God. And then God brings a glorious outcome. God's ultimate intention is to reveal His glory through our lives. And, and when we allow God to work through us, our actions become a testament of His power and of His authority. But we have to allow God to, to work through us, to do the work that He desires to do. The story continues after what we read, after verse 11, I think it's verse 15, it says that he goes and there's a little maid called Rhoda at the door when he goes to the house of the people and he knocks and she's just so excited and she just doesn't even open the door. She goes back and tells them. They say, surely you've just seen his ghost. And they've already killed him. We're already too late. And they say, no. She says, no, come look at the door. They open and there he is. There's Peter. He, he retells the whole thing of what had happened and, and he says, but, it says they're all astonished. Astonished of what God does. And Peter tells me, he says, Go tell James, James, son of Jesus, or brother of Jesus, go tell James and the brethren all that I've told you, basically. Spread the news of what God has done. And he says, I'll, I'll go somewhere else for now, basically, is what happens. God's glorious outcome. You see, the Lord loves to. To love on his people. 
I pray that is, that is of no doubt in your mind. He loves to, to answer the prayers of, of His children. He loves to... The Bible says He came to bring life and, and life more, more abundantly. Right? But He also uses those times as opportunities to show the goodness of God. We, we spoke this morning about how it's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. And He uses those situations to where we are fulfilling our roles appropriately and allowing Him to fill His roles appropriately to show His goodness to the rest of mankind. He goes and we fill our role of praying, of humbly praying to God Almighty, knowing that He can do abundantly more than we can do, and allowing Him room to allow sovereign intervention to step in and do what only God can do. And then when we do our part, we follow through as Peter did with obediently with what is asked of us. God takes that situation and not only blesses you, not only helps you, not only answers your prayer, but there is a glorious outcome that has an abundantly more fruit than we could even imagine in our own lives because of the testimony of what God has done through us. Through us. Fulfilling our roles and Him filling His role. There is a glorious outcome. And there have been times in my life where this has kind of worked through that process. And, and a prayer that I've had has been answered in, in, in most of those, if not all of those situations. The way that it affected other people was even more impactful than how it affected me. Yes, Peter was, was kept from dying that day. That was what was awaiting him the next day, if you, uh, how we interpret the Scripture, that, that he was going to be killed the next day. And that's a wonderful, glorious, and mighty thing. But yet, the testimony of what God did astonished and moved those people, and it was a story that was told to other people within those circles in the, in the city of Jerusalem and those churches, and that story began to spread to other places and other churches and other areas of the empire and all over the world, and it continues to be told today, giving us strength and encouragement about what God can do. But if Peter would have just said no, if Peter would have not got up, not put on his clothes, and not done his part, if they wouldn't have, have prayed and fulfilled their role, if they would have just said, it's the Roman Empire and they're going to do what they're going to do and they ain't going to be changing If they would have not prayed, if they wouldn't have filled their role, God's glorious outcome would not have come about in the way that God so desired for it to. We have a role and God has roles. And we pull up to the four-way stop of, of our lives and our spiritual walk and we need to understand what it is that we're supposed to do and what it is that God's supposed to do. God does what man cannot. But there is an expectation for us to do what God commands us to do. Once again, it's not just solely simply God helps those that helps themselves. It's not how it works. But He does expect us to position ourselves in the place that He tells us to be at the time that He tells us to be there. If I told you to be outside this door at 10 o'clock on Monday morning because I was going to throw checks for $1,000 for out that door. You would be at that door not at 10.05, not at 11, not on Tuesday, not on Wednesday. You'd be at that door on Monday at 10 because you know that that's where you're supposed to be and that God that somebody, something's going to happen. 
when God tells us to do what He has asked us to do. When we are seeking and praying for Him to work and move in a certain way, and He says, be here, do this, obey this command, follow through with this, we should do it. Once again, not expecting the blessing, just simply saying, God, I want to be obedient to you, knowing that you have my best intentions in mind. Peter saw the angel, knew the angel was from God, and said, well, if it's from God, it's not going to do me any harm. It's only going to do what's best for me. And he followed it with that understanding. When we get a word from God, whether it be through a sermon, whether it be through scripture, whether it be through a song, our private prayer time, and God just speaking in some way, if it comes from God, we can follow it obediently and faithfully, knowing that it does not mean us harm, but that God only wants to do what is best for our lives, and best for our faith, and best for our walk with Him. We can faithfully obey what God has commanded us to do. What God has commanded us and worked through us through the Holy Spirit to do. The roles that we have. Once again, I can't do what... I can't fill the role of God. I can't. You can try to. You're going to try to find every way around needing God in your life. You can't. You can try to find every way to not fill your role, to not have to pray, to not call upon Him, to not be obedient to Him. But as followers and believers of Christ, we need to humbly pray and we need to faithfully obey and He will provide that divine and sovereign intervention. And through that, a glorious outcome will always come about. That not only encourages you, not only fulfills your need, not only blesses your life, but has an impact far greater than that. Amen. So I hope you know. Ask the question, who does what? I hope you know at this point what your role is to do and what God's role is to do. He will fulfill His. That is a sure peace that we can have. He will fulfill His. But He has expectations of us as well. Amen. And I pray that we are obedient in every way to what He has called us to do. Amen.